This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, it is our aim to bring you great conversations, thoughtful ideas with leaders, activists, artists, professors, and pastors to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. I know 2020 has been a total ride for most of us. And so in season four of the Finding Holy podcast, we want to tackle the hot button topics. If you haven't listened, we've talked about Psalms for a pandemic. We've spoken about racism and the myth of the American dream. And this week, my guest is Reverend Dr. Irwin Ince. Irwin L. Ince Jr. serves as a pastor at Grace DC Presbyterian Church, and he's the director of the Grace DC Institute for Cross-Cultural Mission, a church-based training and research entity dedicated to equipping current and future Christian leaders for cross-cultural ministry. He's a graduate of City College of New York, RTS, and and holds a demon from Covenant Theological Seminary. In 2018, Ince was unanimously elected as the 46th PCA General Assembly moderator. He was the first African American to hold the position, and so as a wife to a PCA pastor, I really enjoyed this conversation. Listen in, you'll love hearing about beauty, racism, hope for our future, and how do we even engage with some of these issues online. Here is my conversation with Erwin. All right, friends, it's exciting to welcome the Reverend Doctor. Is that correct? Reverend Doctor, officially. (laughs) Erwin Ince to the podcast here. We are talking about his most um, recent release called The Beautiful Community, Unity, Diversity, and the Church at Its Best. So thanks for being here. Yes, thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to be on with you. It's so great. So this season, I was like, we need to talk about all the hot button issues, right? I think 2020 has been like a tidal wave of hard things. And so as Christians, we got to talk about them. That's right. Amen. Yeah. So I want to talk about the concept of race with you and what that looks like. And particularly the argument that you have in your book about the beautiful community. And so you tie together diversity and image of God and beauty. And so could you work, could you just tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about why diversity is key for God's kingdom? Sure, thanks. It really is, for me, rooted in a couple of things. One, there was no way that human destiny was going to be in anything but this beautiful community, diver- mm. unity and diversity, diversity and unity, because we were made in the image according to the likeness of God. Yep. And God is eternally existent in, uh, di- in beautiful community. He yep. is in himself unity and diversity, diversity and unity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this has all of the implications for what it meant when we hear the first words about humanity in Genesis 1 when God Mm -hmm. says, let us make humanity in our image according to our likeness. 
And so for me, that that it, that was going to be uh, because that that is the trajectory for humanity. Yeah. Then this is also then the call for us as Christians who are now kingdom of God people mm-hmm. to pursue this kingdom vision and commitment that God actually has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us what that has to do with beauty, because I think yes. that's such a compelling thought. Right. Yeah. You know, I've, I have been passionate about pursuing unity and diversity in the ministry of reconciliation, um, you know, since I began seminary over, you know, about 20 years ago and went into ministry. But the concept of framing it in terms of beauty is in, is more recent in the past uh, four to five years. Mm -hmm. And because, and I don't remember how it first got into um, my, my, my mindset, probably reading something, but this reality that God is beautiful. Yeah. um, That all beauty and creation is derived beauty. It has God as its source. And so um, the, the, the other aspect and reality is that there is mystery in beauty. Yeah. But you can't quantify beauty. <laughs> right. right. We, can, we can describe it. We can, um, we can imagine it. <laughs> Yeah, right? we can uh, talk about it to other people, but it's hard to really n- nail it down. You have to embrace mystery when right. you're embracing beauty, mm-hmm. the, the notion of beauty. Mm-hmm. And this is true. This is true of God. Is that one author, uh, Elaine Scarry, has a little book titled "On Beauty and Being Just," mm-hmm. and she put she's talking about art and things in creation, not necessarily of God, but she says. Beauty brings copies of itself into being. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes us. It makes us take photographs of it, right? Replicate mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and I began thinking about God in that. Right? Mm-hmm. Beauty bringing a copy of itself into being in the creation mm-hmm. of humanity. There's a mm-hmm. sense. Of, there's a sense of pleasure and delight. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of harmony, uh, right ordering of things. Yep. Uh, there's a sense of perfection. Um, uh, in, in beauty, and so these things had me thinking of God Himself. Mm, mm. And so, if you know, as image bearers of God, right, as beautiful creation, how does that work itself out? You know, as we talk about issues of race, and you talk too about you know race being a construct um, and not really in, it's particularly American usage, right, of, of ideas of kind of racial difference. Um, what, yeah, what do we do with that? You know, right. especially as Christians, if we're saying, okay, we're created by beauty for beauty um, mm-hmm. in diversity, yes. but then we have our current reality, which is horribly polarized and violent <laughs> around issues of race, and even saying, can we even use that, you know, word race, where do we go? How, you know, when we're holding all these pieces together. Sure. I, I think that I always, I always return to the biblical narrative. What do we find right. in the story of scripture that helps us engage these um, issues well? Right. Rightly. And, and so when we talk about 
racism, racialization, living in a racialized mm-hmm. society. It really, I, f- I frame it in terms of what I call in the book, you know, ghetto living. Right, <laughs> right. From Babel, you talk about. From Babel, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That, we, that, that our polarization along lines of difference mm-hmm. um, has, biblically speaking for me, its roots in, in Babel. Mm-hmm. When the last time humanity was one big happy family, yeah, we were one big happy family in our commitment to be to rebel against god's <laughs> right. man yeah right. yeah yeah and so the lord says look if, if i let this go on there's no there is no telling essentially the depth to which humanity will sink mm-hmm. and so god divides us right he confuses yeah. the language and and so now following that there was going to be without question um dehumanization and oppression and injustice from one group to another because we naturally uh uh are hostile towards others right. who are not like us in our group whatever right. our group is mm-hmm. and so you get a manifestation of that in the cre- in the creation of different races you're right right yeah a as a Western idea, yeah, uh, for the express purpose of creating a hierarchy that advantages some and disadvantages others. Yeah, and so the the tension that we have is the idea of different quote unquote races. Mm-hmm. Right, that's it's not biological. Right, right? it's sociological. Yeah. Creation, it was created, but it has real life impact on the lives of people. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so we can't say, okay, well, what, let's just do away right. with the concept of different races and not talk about that at all. Right. And just talk about we are one human, one humanity, one human race, right? And and um and that will be part of the solution. Right. And, and, and my my point is that um, I we ought to pursue unity and diversity across lines of difference. We ought to talk about God's heart and plan for the reunification mm-hmm. of the human race in Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And as a part of that, we have to be honest about the things that have caused our divides. Mm-hmm. And so, I can't, as a uh, as a Black American, just ignore the fact that that is actually part of my identity. Right. That that um, I can't. Well, I guess I could, but it wouldn't be. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. Be beneficial. <laughs> right. So the, the the idea of blackness, right, right as a category for people, right, is created, right, yeah. uh, at the same time, it still has lasting impact. Right. And so we can legitimately talk about racial reconciliation. We can legitimately talk about um, coming together across different racial lines mm-hmm. and saying that that even, even this 
um, uh, this reality that we have to deal with, Christ came to uh, to do away with this divide as well. Right, right. So, and so we want to be able to effectively communicate to people, right? And, and so skewing or doing away with the idea uh, of, of race is not as helpful, I don't think, as people no. imagine it might be. Right. And let me say the last thing I will say. Typically, those who I have heard wanting to do away with that, those categories and engage them are people who have been in the dominant right. racial uh, right. category. Yes. Folks that don't want to deal with it often, they're... Their white privilege. Right. <laughs> As a white trouble. woman, I can don't, say it. <laughs> okay, so I mean, you've seen Facebook. It's a big mess, right? People throwing around words like Marxist or critical race theory, and yeah. uh, how do we navigate that? You know, I mean, part of it, I think, is just yeah, choosing not to engage. I think you mm-hmm. know, um, online in, in ways, and actually having face-to-face conversations. But if we are captivated by, okay, God is beautiful. He has created us, all of us, to bear his image. You know, our job is to work towards the kingdom of God, towards all human flourishing. And yet everything we see online, you know, people reacting out of fear, um, mm-hmm. continuing that hierarchy and polarization, that ghettoization that you're talking about that began way back in Babel. What are ways that we can interact with people? Um, you know, some small habits even, to help bring the conversation to the main thing and not issues of fear or, you know, using a particular word or phrase that sets someone off. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a tall order. Uh, you solve all my problems for yes. me, Erwin. <laughs> well, it's, it's an important question. Uh, how ought we to engage? I was having a conversation recently with someone about uh, about this very subject. And I said, particularly when I'm engaging o- online mm-hmm. media, um, I, I'm attempting to go above and beyond in two, at least a couple of ways. One, a heart disposition to extend the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. to whoever I'm engaging with. And um, a desire to communicate the truth in love, right? To be motivated, to be motivated by mm-hmm. love with also love as a telos, as a goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? What do I want to get out of this engagement? Mm-hmm. Reminding myself that I'm not trying to just win an argument right. and, and trying to... Um, condemn someone, show them the wrongness of their ways. Like they might be wrong, (laughs) but, but my goal is to come to a point of mutual understanding that's beneficial as we arrive at the truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And not to just shout someone down. So I very rarely, I very rarely will get into a back and forth Right. On social media and <laughs> online platforms. It is, uh, you it's know. It's not going to go well. <laughs> no, it's not going to go well. And, and I remember 
when I have opportunity, I do this because when I have opportunity, I remember what I'm committing to mm-hmm. as a follower of Jesus. Yeah. I, I remember that I'm called to love my neighbor. Right? And I don't get a, I, there's no out clause like on, on <laughs> right. that. If they're career. being ridiculous, you don't get to, not, <laughs> you get a pass. That's right. No, okay. I, and I don't get to say, you're not a neighbor. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's um, good I don't, and so, so therefore, I have to have humility of heart when I come in, and be open to learning and correction myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. To to posture myself as the one who is righteous with all of the answers is also an unhealthy way <laughs> yeah. to engage. Right. Right. And so, so th- if I'm going to engage in a back and forth in a conversation, those are some of the things mm-hmm. I try to keep in mind. And my commitment, you know, as a, as a pastor in the Presbyterian Church in America and one who holds to Westminster Confession with his larger and shatter- shorter catechisms, I try to remember the things that I have said are a right understanding of the scriptures, particularly as it relates to the second table of the law, commandments five through 10, and our duty towards our neighbors. Yep. Which, when the commandment says, you know, um, you shall not bear false witness, part of the duty required in keeping the commandment mm-hmm. is to promote and maintain the good name of my neighbor. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. To not tear someone's name down mm-hmm. publicly, right? right. That, that is a responsibility uh, that I have. And so do I find myself, right, tearing someone's character or name down mm-hmm. publicly? Right. right? I'm violating uh, I'm violating the commandment if I'm doing this. So right. I try to re- remind myself of those mm-hmm. kinds of mm-hmm. commitments that mm-hmm. I have. We'll be right back with the rest of our conversation in just a minute. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Here's the rest of my conversation with Erwin Ince. Tell us what you would say um, for those of us who are in you know, majority culture churches. We read your book <laughs> and we're like, this is beautiful. Um, yeah, it's a great book. And um, yeah, very well written as well as being theologically astute without being 
too academic. I'll say that as someone with a PhD, so it's fine. Yeah. But, you know, so we read your book and we're, we're convicted, gosh, my church doesn't look like this sort of beautiful community. Um, you know, maybe we have um, diversity, but we're kind of all kind of subsumed under a majority white culture. What do we do? How do we, you know, if, and I just think there's, there's so many people I know, um, white women, particularly after the killing of George Floyd, particularly who all of a sudden began to kind of educate themselves on issues of race and systemic racism in our country, particularly, which I think is really encouraging to begin to have those conversations when they hadn't been happening before um so if your book is part of their reading where what what's your hope for the book and your hope for you know god's people on the ground yes thanks so my hope is that and i i really and i try to describe it in the second part of the book mm-hmm. my hope is that people come to us a, a particular conviction mm-hmm. that the in, that the press toward unity and diversity right um, to the press toward beautiful community is not just some response to a cultural hot take moment right right it's not just it's not simply because oh everybody has a diversity and inclusion officer in every organization now right, right. so it's, it's a right that that to be to come away convinced that this is God's heart, this is God's commitment, mm-hmm. and if we haven't understood that to this point, then our first response is confession and repentance mm-hmm. before the Lord, mm-hmm. right? To, to turn to Him and in gratitude and say, thank you, Lord, yeah. right, for helping me see more of your heart in your word mm-hmm. and have that as an, uh, an understanding of faith, what it looks like to faithfully follow Jesus. So now maybe we have a different aspiration for our local church context, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we are as I would say, as I say, devoted to the doctrine yeah. of unity and diversity. Yeah. And being willing to then enter into some on-the-ground work that says, okay, now we didn't arrive here as a majority culture dominated church in a vacuum. Right. Right. Um, so we've got to do some self-examination. And it's not to say that we are somehow all horrible uh, <laughs> wretches who are not faithful to Jesus, but it's to say there are some things that we do that are preferences, that are culturally conditioned mm-hmm. in our way of living the Christian life. And now let's probe those things. Let's find out the decisions that we make that are um, that are a result of cultural preferences, not necessarily saying that they're sinful, mm-hmm. but that they may actually be 
things that hinder people who are not like the majority from finding deep sense of welcome and belonging among Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's challenging work. Yeah. That's challenging work before, right. In prayer before the Lord and in doing some things that kind of start to upset the apple cart, because now you're starting to ask the questions, okay, who are we? Why do we do the things we do the way that we do them? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And we may need some, uh, outside voices mm-hmm. to help us do that probative work. Yeah, right? yeah. That we're unaware of that we not we're not going to really see unless others help us. So one of the practical things may be, and I'll talk about this at a, you know, if if we have <laughs> if we've got friends mm-hmm. who um, or come from a different racial ethnic background. Being uh, and we've got relational capital, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, being engaging the kind of like, what what do you experience when you're among us? Yeah. Or I always, I always, I regularly ask this question whenever I'm in, in um, churches with majority culture that are majority culture churches. Yeah. Um, and there are folks who are ethnic minorities in that church. Very often, they'll want to talk to me mm-hmm. and just kind of say, hey, can we have a few moments just to talk about our experiences here and, and how, do, how should we continue to, how will we be able to continue to thrive? Or and, and I'll ask them kinds of questions like, okay, what does it cost you to be here? Mm-hmm. Right. I, like you're here, you're a member of this church, and you're because you want to be, but I know it's not free. Yeah. Right. So, and and very often people will share some of the difficulties, mm-hmm. right? Of not of of feeling what aspects of themselves in terms of their embodied ethnic identity that they feel like they have to either ignore, leave at the door, they right. can't fully right. So those kinds of conversations to be um, to engage folks who are ethnic minorities among mm-hmm. the church. And you've got to walk that carefully, right? Because you don't want to right. put them on the spot. That's why I say there has to be relational capital. Right, right. They're right. not like and, a show and tell or something, right? No, that's exactly right. right. That is exactly right, right? Uh, there's no... There's no there's no um, risk-free way of doing this, in other words. Mm, yeah. There's no yeah. way uh, to, of doing it that, yeah, we want to. And, and very often, my white brothers and sisters um, will almost be petrified with fear of messing up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, we don't do anything because right. I've talked to people, I mean, they've been in tears. Like, I don't want to mess up. I don't want right. to do further harm and damage. Right. And I get that. And at the same time, there is no way to make this pursuit without taking certain risks. That's why we should be grateful for the means of grace that we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That, 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 Having the blessing of confession and repentance and forgiveness as fundamental aspects of the Christian life are things we're going to have to lean into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, 
That's good. Which is always uncomfortable, (laughs) but always healing. So, yeah, right, yeah. All of these, they're store. All of these are stories of of a foundational and fundamental commitment to love our neighbors across Mm. lines of difference, to Mm. to press into it in spite of the difficulty, to to continue proclaiming. Mm. Um, a gospel message that says we persevere through the hardship of it. Mm-hmm. So it's because it's not just about what I have to lose and what I give up. It's also about what we gain together as we better image to the world what it means to be Christian community. Mm. And so all and right, all of these places are continuing this press. And you go through peaks and valleys, yeah, right? yeah, um, entrusting yourself to the Lord, resisting the urge to say, uh, "All right, um, this isn't going to work." Right, <laughs> I'm out. <No>. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yep. exactly, Because exactly. mm, yeah, right. As we lean in, we get to actually experience the Spirit doing the work instead of our own. Which is the point. Right. It's a matter of the spirit. You can't, beautiful community can't be manufactured. Right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the spirit's work. Mm-hmm. And the spirit is committed to, to the work. Um, uh, and so if we could do it on our own, we'd get the glory. <laughs> so. yeah. Back to Babel again, right? There you go. Yeah. That's yeah. right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, I think your book is is a beautiful testament to what the church can be. And don't we need that unity and diversity instead of polarization and ghettoization um, and shouting <laughs> cross aisles. Don't need it. I mean, I, I think it really is one of the ways I think about this is that the, the world should look at the church and marvel and be amazed. Yeah. And say and be wondering how did that happen? Right. How are those people together. That doesn't yeah. fit. that doesn't fit our perception yeah. of what human human relationships look like. Right? Yeah. Yeah. How are they together? Yeah. And staying together. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That should, and and so often it, it's been the opposite testimony. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <Last amazement. laughs> yes. Especially as we watch the news headlines. So, yeah. Ooh, yes. Yeah, they're doozy. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, as we conclude, Erwin, I, I love asking all my guests their laundry routine just <laughs> to hear real life and to help us connect the dots between all these things that matter and what we do during the week. So, what's your laundry routine look like? Laundry routine. My goodness gracious. There's a story here. Oh, I like it. So, you know, as I think about laundry routine, it morphs um, and changes over the years. Now, I'm, I can't speak for everybody. I'm just right. talking about our own right. experience. Yeah. My wife and I have four children. And so, so when they are, when they were young and unable to do anything for themselves, <laughs> The laundry routine was her and I, mostly her, if I'm honest. Uh, <laughs> um, 
um, taking the load, yep. all of the laundry for the entire household. Seems like you're always washing clothes. Right. right? And then as they got older, part of their first uh, chores is learning how to do laundry. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that, and not just your own laundry, right? Yeah. <laughs> laundry for, yeah. right. Uh, for p- other people in the house besides yes. yourself. Right. right. Yeah. And so, so now, but now three of our four children are out of the house, adults, grown, living their life. We've got one teenager left at home and it's a, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Like he, know, right. He, we don't have to wash any of his clothes. It just now, happens. Yeah. We have to say your clothes ought to be washed. Now, <laughs> right. But we don't have to. Know. And gross. Yeah. You know, sometimes 15 year old boys are not, right. you know, right. Really Clean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they like cologne. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Uh, so now our, our routine is still, my wife doing most of she and I's laundry. Uh-huh. Right. Nice. Um, right. And I will share some of that, some of that load myself. So it's a it's a much better yeah. season of laundering life. I love it. <laughs> Less overwhelming. But I love it. I mean, I think we also have four kids. And I think, yeah, you're learning with that number of children in one's home, you you give them a sense of like, you belong to a community. It's not all about you, including the line. Right. You belong to a community. You need to be asking your brothers and sisters about, do they have any colors? Yes. Yes. As you do your colors. Yes. You do theirs too. Yes. Yeah. I love it. That's good. I'll need to do that. Yeah. Just, yeah. Our oldest is 13. So we're just getting the older two okay. doing their laundry, but I like the, Help out your younger siblings. Add it to your pile. It's good. Yes, exactly. And they don't necessarily take to that uh, at first as a matter of course that they ought right. to to do. But you know, <laughs> <It's just laughs> the long work of formation. <laughs> the long work of formation in all of the details, yes. even the laundry. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully they take with them when they leave the house and like you know one of my children who will remain nameless who when he got to college all of a sudden all of his white t-shirts turned gray because he just washed everything everything together, together. <laughs> oh well i guess you learn <laughs> oh well it's been such a pleasure erwin thank you for being on i appreciate it so thank you thank you ashley it's been great Thanks. it's been great Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Erwin Ince. He is so generous and kind um, as you listened to him laugh through our conversation. And his book is that way too. So please go grab a copy of his book. It's linked in the show notes, The Beautiful Community. It's a rich theological consideration of these issues of unity and diversity. It will help you in your own path towards justice and healing and give you some hope on the way forward. But before we end, I want to leave you with one small step. And I realize that during an election season right now, it can get very polarized. It can get loud online. And I love what Erwin suggested about thinking about our interactions online and to think about them as interactions of love. 
And so that actually requires that we have a humble posture. So I'd encourage you, one, probably spend less time on social media this week. Maybe look at your screen time report. And then secondly, to simply have a little breath prayer. Breathe in and you say, Lord Jesus Christ, breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then also pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you into love as you have your online interactions this week. It can be really easy to let fear cause our divisions and our divisiveness instead of praying for unity in the Spirit for God's good kingdom to come. So I hope that that just one small practice as you open up your computer, as you swipe on your phone, that that will allow you to enter into conversations knowing that you come as a representative of God's kingdom and not simply for your own political party or for the issue of the day. So let me know how it goes. Friends, I would be so encouraged. Would you go ahead and subscribe right now to the Finding Holy podcast? We have some great conversations. We're going to be talking with Caitlin Beatty and Scott Sauls. We're going to be talking with Michael Ware about politics as we anticipate the next election. So you don't want to miss out on these great conversations. Subscribe now. Because remember, friends, big things matter, but so does the laundry.